Join Dr. Kashi as he explores diet obsessions as a cultural phenomenon and gets into its origin. How do we resolve diet centrism and what factors really matter when it comes to choosing how we eat? The Good Doctor emphasizes the importance of logic and verifiable evidence when understanding this stuff. So listen in to gain a deeper understanding of diet centrism and how to navigate it in your life. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, with today's co-host, Mom Fuel, biochemical grade fuel. Recounting the previous lesson's rant, axiomatic terminology like sugar is bad, uh, it promotes arbitrary hierarchical structuring. Let's go back to this. Arbitrary hierarchical structuring. My diet is better than your diet. It promotes territoriality. I am sugar-free. This is a sugar-free zone. And it, it promotes some hostility. If you don't eat sugar-free, then you're a bad and unhealthy person doomed to be fat and miserable and sick. <laughs> Thus, turning something as relatively inert as sugar into a hilariously polarizing topic. Comically polarizing topic. Uh, wrapped up, <clears throat> and then at the end of the lesson, uh, wrapped up by introducing the concept of diet centrism. And that's more of what you're learning about today, or at least Dr. Cashy's bias of diet centrism. All right, I always got to add that little disclaimer. So here's what you're learning. Here's what you're learning. You're learning what diet centrism is. You're learning where diet centrism comes from. And then, essentially, how to resolve diet centrism. And a lot of this will build on itself as we go. More logical stuff today. More biological stuff, I think, tomorrow or coming soon. So buckle up for that. <laughs> the point is that I always emphasize, I always practically always love to emphasize this stuff first because words are important. They are just about everything. This is the difference, diet centrism as it were, okay? This is the difference between being the center of everything, where the world revolves around this one idea or person, and being in the center or centered, where you have access to more ideas, perspectives, and information so you can think rationally, which means you're more likely to act constructively, which means getting more of what you want faster and keeping it by golly. The psychological world is flat. Perfect or worthless, black or white, with me or against me. The psychological world is flat. If you go too far to the left or to the right, you will fall off the edge. <laughs> so throw down a hashtag centered. That is, today's, that is today's activation word, as it were. Throw down a hashtag centered. If this makes sense to you and being aware of new perspectives and new ideas is a good idea to help you get what you want faster and keeping it. Back to diet centrism, okay? <clears throat> this term describes the overly reductionist and embarrassingly willful ignorance of researchers, public policymakers, and the public to take all the health annoyances of the first world and place it almost exclusively on diet, while shamefully neglecting the well-established roles of other factors in pathophysiology. For example, everything else. <laughs> Sympathetic tonus, how stressed you are. Sleep, 
Thermogenesis, physical activity, endocrine status, whether you got that Barbie you always wanted. You can make this list much longer depending on how nuanced you want to get. Also, all of these factors, they do interact with or relate with each other in some way. That is the point. Even though some humans might be uh, simpler than other humans, the human body is an onion of complex biological systems layered upon biological systems that are also complex. <laughs> with diet centrists though, if you have a problem with their good diet, which is the diet they say is good, which is, by the way, the same for everyone, by the way, and mostly consisting of a short list of safe foods along with a long list of not safe foods, like not eating sugar, well then good luck with your good health, <laughs> right? Everything wrong in your life is because you eat sugar. Because sugar is toxic. If you eat sugar, then your liver will explode. You'll miss job interviews and the president will stay in office forever because you eat sugar. Thanks. Pfft. So a diet centrist will lazily posit that good diet equals good health and bad diet equals bad health. That food is thy medicine type of garbage, which it really is in terms of, you know, how things operate in the real world. This has near zero regard for the fact that good diet changes over time and changes based on the situation. In other words, the best diet is dynamically adjusted based on your biology, your practical desires, logistical criteria, and capacity for habituation. What are your conditional health requirements? What do you want to accomplish? What foods, amounts of foods, and timing of those foods cover both of those bases? And then, after all that is covered, do you like it? Is it satisfying? Can you integrate it into your real life? Or are you just interjecting it between all of your other stressors? Hmm. So who cares if your diet is the best diet if you have a problem with it? Right? Who cares if it's perfect? If you hate it, well then good luck. <laughs> so here's the rub. The impact, of a macro, the impact a macronutrient has on your physiology, where macronutrient in this context is defined as protein, carbohydrate, and fat. You can be weird and talk about like alcohol and ketones and all that other stuff, but in this context is protein, carbohydrate, and fat, more specifically sugar and sugar polymers, uh, is, is dependent on the so-called physiologic context of the consuming individual. A big fancy egghead term there. For example, are you sitting around and doing nothing or are you up and moving around? That will change how your body metabolizes, stores, transports, oxidizes, and all sorts of other ises and isms and pathways and other biochemical things with the nutrients that you consume. Uh, the black magical powers that diet centrists will give sugar are so far divorced from empirical science and so heavily dependent on erroneous data collection methods and fear-mongering that it makes you wonder. Makes you wonder when you take a closer look at sugar. Sugar never leaves you. Sugar never talks back. Sugar is there for you through thick and thin. Of course diet centrists hate on sugar. They're jealous of sugar. That's the only reason you can be so crazy. They're obviously jealous. They want you all for themselves. There's a lot to be jealous of with sugar. <clears throat> diet, more specifically sugar, is a necessary and modifiable factor that, yes, does influence metabolic health. But so what? Big whoop, as the kindergartners say sometimes. <laughs> it's relatively trivial. 
It's relatively trivial. There are a few dozen other factors influencing metabolic health as well. A few of them listed earlier, obviously. Arguably, most of them are more important and having a greater influence on metabolic health, almost to the point of making sugar a triviality in the grand scheme of things. But a diet centrist has a hard time with this, mostly because when you only focus on a single factor's influence on health and well-being, it almost automatically causes you to magnify its importance, personalize any conflicting viewpoint, and this personalizing and magnifying prompts them to, again, almost automatically label you or any of your ideas globally and negatively. See how this all wraps into the self-esteem talk. Any form of discourse serves to strengthen their resolve in that sugar is bad. The more resistance they get, the stronger they believe. Oh, and then anything that they do find that correlates with what they think, it also strengthens their beliefs. So this diet-centric disease mongering is cultivated by a comical level of ignorance and basic physiology, really. Do you, do you know, in a tragic state of irony, what sugar is responsible for? Fueling their brains enough to say the silly things they are saying. <coughs> One cannot simply respire coffee. All right. Consumption of dietary sugar, either by sugar monomers like glucose, sugar dimers like sucrose, or sugar polymers like starch. For up to 70% or even greater of your total energy requirements, it's a relatively innocuous amount in a healthy person. Again, the asterisk in an already healthy person. Exacerbating a metabolic derangement is separate from causing a metabolic derangement. That's like, like saying sugar causes disease. It's like going for a walk on a broken leg, bitching and moaning about how much it hurts, and then starting a political campaign that bans walking because it causes broken legs. Consider this syllogism. This is a fancy egghead word for a thinky thing, okay? Walking is good for you. Walking feels bad. Therefore, walking is bad for you. Can you spot the errors? Can you spot the errors? It's easy to spot the errors perhaps when it's spelled out like this, but when it happens in real time, everything makes perfect sense. <laughs> is the first premise correct? Walking is good for you. Well, that's debatable. Why? Because it's circumstantial. Is the statement correct? Walking feels bad. Well, yeah, if it feels bad, then it feels bad. Is the conclusion sensical? Therefore, walking is bad for you. Only if the first premise, walking is good for you, is false, which is indubitable. It is, it, it is an indubitable abomination, <laughs> okay? People are rarely aware of the arguments they're making or even aware of how their thoughts flow. More commonly, people just tend to focus on the conclusion. In this case, walking is bad. Walking is bad for you. If the conclusion is distorted, as so humans are so talented at making them, then the person becomes disturbed. This disturbance manifests as, you guessed it, being around for a while, the can't stand itis. I can't stand walking. Disasterifying. Walking was horrible and caused the worst pain yesterday. You would never believe it. And then negative labeling. Walking is therefore bad. And this reinforces rigid and black and white beliefs around the conclusion that walking is bad. Since walking is obviously bad for me, then it must be bad for everyone all the time. How's that for a recipe for a party? Now just replace walking with sugar and that's essentially what's happening. <laughs> 
If the world of distorted, in the world of distorted and impulsive psychological binaries, there are only two categories, perfect and worthless. When that's all you got, that is a, that is, that is a recipe for disturbance and disaster and all those other funky things that people have issues with. In the world of the rational and constructive biological continuum, as Grandpa Cashy says, it's about finding the right tool for the job. Logic on its own is dangerous. People come to damaging logical conclusions all the time. And it's entirely possible the conclusion is logical, but that means jack diddly when it's based on a distorted premise like fat and sick people eat sugar. They come to conclusions like therefore sugar is bad for you or I just ate sugar, therefore I am bad. She just ate sugar, therefore she is bad. This is why it's best when logic hinges on verified or verifiable arguments. This is what takes a conclusion from just logical to rational. Thus, rational thinking instead of just logical thinking. When you make a decision and take action based on rational thinking and a rational conclusion, this increases the probability of you getting closer to what you want, thus making it constructive. This is why, apparently in militant fashion, I pair rational and constructive together. <laughs> If your thoughts are rigid and your decisions are impulsive, then you're more likely to be self-defeating, emotionally disturbed, and continuously pushing yourself away from what you desire. And then possibly take that out on other people and looking for confirmatory bias that way too. Your foregone conclusions will continuously sabotage your actions and outcomes and goals. That's disturbing in a lot of ways. And it bugs a lot of people and makes them super frustrated and hostile and territorial and hierarchical. <laughs> If your thoughts are rational and your decisions are constructive, then you'll have more resilient responses to your indubitable obstacles. Your indubitable, your indubitable obstacles. So everyone, practically everyone has obstacles, okay? And you'll be cool as a cucumber when other people are throwing their tantrums about the same frustration you just experienced. And on top of it all, you're more likely to get more of what you want, more of the time, the first time, faster, and keep it. That's what TKN does. You'll be the reason other people think life is so unfair. <laughs> Imagine that. The psychological world is flat. If you go too far to the left or too far to the right, you will fall off the edge. So throw down a hashtag centered if this makes sense to you. And being aware of new perspectives and new ideas is a good idea to help you get what you want faster and keeping it. Thank you for learning. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>